should allow me to be independent and do things my way. But I already do that, honey. You also want to control how I'm holding my microphone. No, I'm just telling you, if you want people to hear you, there's a certain way that you have to hold the microphone. I'm just, I'm trying to help. I'm not trying to control you. What tells you that I already don't know how to hold the microphone? The fact that you're holding it three feet away from your mouth. That was my first indicator. Guys, I have an idea. This podcast can be a marriage counseling session with the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sana, we are back online, and this is our very first interview together in the United States. So this is a momentous occasion. And I'm very happy that we have this particular person on the show today. Yes, this particular person is someone with whom I have a very long history. I've known him for 46 years. And I'm going to make a long history with him, especially when I'm married to you, and I really need his expertise on handling you in this marriage. I don't think anybody knows how to handle me. Well, really. this person is professional enough to <laughs> coach me on that. Right. Well, the person that is on the line with us is none other, than, none other than my own father, Jonathan Howard Newcomb. And my dad has, I've, I've had a front row seat to his life. Well, sometimes from a distance because I've been uh, away from, from where he is in Minnesota but I've been intimately familiar with some of the successes and some of the failures that he has gone through. But one thing that has impressed me and has been a source of inspiration for me as a person in my own journey <clears throat> as a man is my dad just doesn't stay down. Like he'll get knocked on his rear end with something, but he doesn't just say, oh, Woe is me. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm just going to go drive a school bus and just call it a day. No, he just says, I'm going to, I, I, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to take my licks. And he just gets back up and does something different. And in often cases, when something like that happens and you find yourself in a position where you have to reframe or pivot something in your life, whatever you end up with <clears throat> is oftentimes better than what you had before. So say what you will about about what you will. Okay, I'm going to start that over. So all that to say is that my dad is a, he, he, he just perseveres. He just keeps on uh, getting up with no matter what goes on, whether it's uh, positive or negative, never has a, a, a negative thing to say about anything. Always a upbeat, positive attitude. So uh, it's a real thrill to have you on our show, Dad. Hey, James. That's so good to be with you, too. All right. So you had something pressing on your mind, huh? Yeah, I remember you You had an experience with that when you were a child going on a mountain or something. And that was like encouraging you to do... Why don't you share that? A mountain? Okay. We lived in Minnesota, honey. There's no mountains in no, Minnesota. You, when you were in Vietnam, you talked about that, how... He was like like a pillar of strength for you when you were a teenager and like you, you were somewhere camping or something happened and that was like you can do it. 
Why well, don't you put that? No, you don't remember. Uh, I would put it well, in. Well, I have a, I have a story about James and the Mountain. Okay. There you go. You let's see, hear. I let's hear. Okay. James. Let's, let's redeem James this. Mother, my first wife, James' mother, was very pregnant, uh, and I was in the Navy. So if her pregnancy came to a birth during the time that I was still in the service, we'd have all of our health care paid for by by the military. Well, James didn't come, didn't come, didn't come past his due date. So I had a little mountain bike at the time. And we where we lived was in uh, uh, outskirts of San Francisco, uh, California, which was right at the foothills of a mountain called, uh, oh, I forget what it was called. Uh -huh. So I would put James' mother on the back of this uh, trail bike. <laughs> And we would go on bumpy mountain roads trying to induce labor. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think you would have an active recollection of that incident, James. No, it, no, I, I remember it vividly, like like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the the wounds, the the memories from the womb are just particularly fond. <laughs> Well, anyhow, uh, Dad, a lot of people that are listening to this, well, of, of course, I know you very well, and Sana knows you uh, really well over the last few years that you two have been getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe you can get us up to speed a little bit on a little bit about you, what, you, what you've done. And uh, I know that <clears throat> some of the, the, the downs that I've already mentioned have led to your current profession, which is a, a relationship coach. So maybe you could just get us up to speed a little bit on a little bit of where you've been and how that's led to where you are now. So I had a dream. I developed a dream that when I was older, I was going to find a special woman and I was going to love her to death. And out of our love for each other, we would uh, bring offspring into the world and we would love them fully and unconditionally and never have them uh, have to wonder about whether they were cared for and loved by their mother and their father. That was my dream. And that dream did become a reality. I met, uh, I met James' mother in high school, and boy, did I fall for her head over heels. We ended up marrying. James was our firstborn. He was born, as I said earlier, when we were living in, in San Francisco, when I was just completing my, my service in the United States Navy, came back to Minnesota, enrolled in a Christian Bible school in Southern Minnesota, transferred to a state university, got a teaching degree, uh, and my beloved wife supported me, did some real grungy work to, to pay the expenses while I was uh, finishing my college degree. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, you know, James was followed by his younger brother and then another brother and then a fourth brother. And a few years later, finally, a little girl. And so I was on top of the world having children surrounding me and my wife and, 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 uh, but uh, some years after that, uh, it turned out that uh, my wife was profoundly unhappy. So as much as I loved her, 
I let go of that relationship. Um, it was a really rough time for me personally. I really was hurting. I was really sad and depressed, not just losing the love of my life, but not having a home and happy family to go to every night. Uh, I was I was greatly helped by having an individual counselor. Uh, we weren't able to find a way to do marriage counseling uh, to find our way through that mess. Uh, but I found an individual counselor that really helped me and planted a seed of an idea in me that maybe, hey, maybe there's a part of my future that it might involve helping other people the way I had been helped. So years later, uh, I was toying around. I was getting catalogs from different grad schools uh, leading to a degree in psychology. And at, at about the same time, I met my beautiful wife, Nancy, who is my wife of nearly 18 years now. On my third marriage, I won't even go into the second marriage. That lasted about four months. But in my third marriage now, we've been happy together for going on 18 years. And Nancy kind of convinced me to uh, poop or get off the pot, quit looking at different schools and actually put in applications. I quit in an application, got letters of reference from different people in my life, and I was expected it, uh, I was accepted into the marriage and family therapy program at uh, Minnesota School of Professional Psychology. Well, but that was in 2005. I graduated in 2005. I, I started school in 2001. So the failed marriages, because that seems a little paradoxical to say, I've failed at something twice, and now I'm going to help other people. How did that play into the decision to pursue that specifically? I wanted to make sure that I was the right person to be the kind of husband that my eventual final marriage would be able to treat, treat her well, treat her respectfully, nurture the loving feelings that we felt at first. So it was for my own benefit, personally, that I learned as much as I could learn from book learning, mm -hmm. from lecture, from class discussions about the nature of what makes for a healthy relationship. But I also had a burning desire to take my own experience and the pain that those failed marriages caused to me and position myself so I had the knowledge, I had the resources, I had the tools practically and effectively help couples who were not succeeding in their own marriages and their own significant relationships. It's become kind of a quest for me. It's become a, a passion and a, and a calling for me. Position myself so couples, when they're struggling, they can find me, they can take advantage of my knowledge, training, and experience to help solve some sometimes basic problems, sometimes pretty intense, complicated issues in their relationships. Do you ever run into resistance from prospective clients who say, well, who are you? You've got two divorces and you're going to tell us how to fix our marriage? Yeah. Well, usually not. Mm -hmm. I had one, one woman who she and her husband came in to see me on two different occasions. 
And the husband was very argumentative and very combative. Mm -hmm. And he argued with her. He argued with me. And she ended up, you know, usually I start my session saying, you know, I consider myself somewhat of an expert on marriage due to the fact that I'm on my third marriage, kind of <laughs> jokingly. And then I talk about my experience, the story I just related to you, what motivated to get into the field of marriage counseling and relationship coaching. So this particular individual wrote a really nasty negative review saying <laughs> that instead of helping with our problems, he just talked about his own failed marriages, which I just made passing reference to, as I do with all new clients. Okay. It, it seems to me like there's there, sh there could be a way to turn a negative review like that into well i responded to it on a google review like that you have a chance to respond and say sorry you had a bad experience i wish you'd uh, stuck around long enough to see if this really worked for you but good luck to you with your next therapist so you've been either a marriage therapist or a and now you call yourself a relationship coach mm -hmm. since 2005 so you've been at this for a minute i've been doing it a while all right so what is the number one inhibitor to a happy marriage that you've encountered? I would say the number one inhibitor to maintaining a happy and healthy marriage is people discontinue doing the things that they did at the beginning when their feelings were strong, their feelings for each other were powerful, they were in their honeymoon phase, they their feelings of infatuation were strong and motivated them to do thoughtful things and to invest time and energy in having the kind of in-depth as well as fun, loving conversations and communications mm -hmm. that make people feel like, hey, you know, if we commit to marriage, just think what our life could be. This would be every day. This would be year after year. We'll enjoy these wonderful, special feelings for each other. Well, it doesn't exactly work that way for many couples in real in the real world. Bored with each other, we start to take each other for granted. We just begin to uh, get lazy and not continue to invest that time and energy and continue to do the things that gave us those positive vibes that, that helped us to overcome whatever doubts or reservations and go ahead and commit to marriage. So the majority of couples that I see, the number one complaint, almost invariably, we don't seem to be able to communicate. You know, that's part of the symptomology of a marriage that's failing. Uh, the not being able to communicate speaks to me about the fact that we're not cherishing each other the way we once did. If we cherished each other, we would listen, we would tune in, we would take action when appropriate and make things better. If there are complaints, we would heed them, not go on the defensive, but say, hey, I guess I didn't realize I was coming across that way to you. Let's see what we can do to make things better. Those are the kinds of communications that are essential. And if couples can get to the point where they don't 
let things go, let things go, let things go, like happened in that first marriage of mine. But if couples can find ways to address problems before they turn into resentments, which turns into negative feelings for each other, which turns into anticipating bad things coming from your partner rather than positive things coming from your partner. A big part of the work that I do with couples is, number one, let them know, hey, keep short records of real or perceived wrongs. Deal with it as close to the time that the offense occurred as you can. I have one question. So what what is the one essence in a marriage that can really bring the couple into a real happiness? Let me preface that question by making a statement based on decades of observing of observing human behavior and relationship dynamics. When push comes to shove, ultimately, nearly anyone, there might be exceptions, I haven't run across them. You may be Mother Teresa, you may be the Pope, you may be a person who appears to be very self-sacrificing. But in my mind, the bottom line is everybody is ultimately out for their own best interest. To make for a long and happy and healthy marriage, one has to set aside that selfish desire. What's in it for me, for many people, is the number one question. If we can give regard and understand that our spouses need supersede our own at times, and we're willing to give up on our need to be right, if we're willing to give up on our need to have have things ultimately benefit us at the disadvantage of our spouse or our partner, we're setting ourselves up to have a dissatisfied partner. If we can relinquish those selfish needs, the need to feel like I'm winning this fight or this feeling like I'm I'm getting more out of this than my partner, if we can let go of that selfish tendency, which is part of human nature, and embrace and understand that what is good for he, what is good for she, is good for us. And when it is good for us, each party in the relationship ultimately benefits. Well, that speaks to the concept of two becoming one, and and not not necessarily two individuals uh, sacrificing their own individual identity, <clears throat> but it's two individual identities that that become a joint identity. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. You know, I mean. You in a, in a healthy marriage, you two have you have two individuals that have common interests, that have common objectives, that have common goals, that have common dreams and aspirations. Each comes in with both deficits as well as assets. And in a healthy relationship, if I'm lacking maybe in social graces, my spouse can bring me along and 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 give me in privacy, give me positive feedback about, you know, if you handled this situation better, 
maybe people would think better thoughts about you. And it doesn't have to be just that, but in so many different areas of our life, if we recognize that, hey, my spouse or my partner has strengths that I lack, a desire to strengthen our relationship, and a desire ultimately to let my partner know that I hold he or she in high regard, I will respect their thoughts and their words. I will take them seriously, and I will adjust my behavior accordingly. I've already said that this is our first interview with Sana and I here in the United States. And uh, while we were over in Vietnam, we did a handful together. I always thought when I was over here by myself, over here being in Virginia Beach, and she was over in Vietnam, and we just we we had to be separated periods of time, and it wasn't we just had to suffer through it wasn't good it wasn't bad we just had to do it yeah but i always told myself that when i'm here and i'm interacting with people there's only uh, there's only half of me like mm-hmm. my better like the better half of my marriage is 12,000 miles away at the moment so what you're seeing right now isn't necessarily the, the true representation of james newcomb like okay. there's a better part or or there's a there's a more complete element of who I am that you're not seeing with my wife not here. And we just got to um, experience that a little bit tonight. We went to a organ recital at the Presbyterian church here in town. And for the first time I was there with my wife at my side. <laughs> I was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know, I'm not supposed not to be. Not a lot of Presbyterian churches in Hanoi, James. Uh, let's see here. Let's there's, uh, no, there's none. <laughs> and not a lot of pipe organs in Vietnam. No, no pipe organs. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was just, I was just, it was, I was just glowing the whole night and I was like almost parading my wife <laughs> around the, the room, just walking her to the front of the sanctuary. So everybody can see there's James with his wife because for the last three years, it's just been me and I'm, and and like there's there's more to me and soon enough you'll get to see james as he's meant to be because i'm not the same i'm not complete without sauna at my side so that is that was that was fun so i thought i'd share that well i think the world is sauna too and she's such a welcome addition to our family and I can see in very significant ways that she has helped you in areas that maybe have been personal challenge, personal challenges, James. I, I think that the two of you really support each other in, in a positive way. Now, I want to ask, since you started in 2005, and here we are in 2022, uh, culture has changed quite a bit from the time you started. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, and I have no idea the first thing about the answer to this. So I'm, I'm asking as a complete greenie, has, has the marriage problems changed over the last 17 years or are they fundamentally the same, although they're manifested in different ways? How has your work changed or how have problems changed over the last 17 years you've been doing this? Well, I'd say that the most significant change has been 
means of communication, specifically referring to technology with instant communication, uh, with video uh, capability. You know, 18, 20 years ago, most technology involved email back and forth, which was kind of slow moving and tempered. And, you know, you'd kind of read something and take your time to respond to it, hopefully thoughtfully and non, non-threateningly. I see so many couples uh, these days that get caught up in fights over text. Right where it's disembodied, you don't read the body language, you don't hear the tone of voice, you go back and forth and back and forth, and it gets angrier and angrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I've had couples come into a session uh, in my office, and, you know, they can't even look at each other because they've spent the last couple of days with these mean, vicious text exchanges with each other. And uh, so that's one way that things have changed. Uh, I think another thing that's changed with technology is the availability of other uh, either emotional or physical uh, uh, intimate partners. I, I, I think there are websites out there. I think Ashley Madison has been well publicized where married people go there specifically to find a sex partner. But aside from that, just chat rooms and the availability uh, to to get emotionally involved with someone other than your spouse, other than your primary partner. Yeah, it's it's changed the landscape significantly. That, it was really interesting. You kind of make me go quiet. <laughs> oh. um, but um, I would like to ask on behalf of our listeners, uh, what are some of the services that you offer? I mean, coaching, let's not say service. What, mm-hmm. what type of coachings uh, couples can approach you for? Sure. Well, I do life coaching. Uh, people that are struggling with goal setting and, 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 and keeping themselves motivated and uh, setting benchmarks for themselves, you know, smaller accomplishments uh, that they can tick off, uh, check off their checklist, uh, leading to a larger goal. Uh, so that's, you know, I have extensive training as, a, as an effective life coach, but due to my personal passion for uh, repairing broken relationships, uh, the majority of my work, the majority of my self-promotion has to do with relationship coaching and counseling. Uh, that um, throughout my career, I always heard from lots of people that they chose a career in their life that they were passionate about because they believe if it was not their passion, uh, they wouldn't be successful and ultimately happy in life. Uh, what made you think that coaching people with different backgrounds specifically in their partnership and marriage, which is uh, building our nation and societies, uh, is your passion. And that's one thing you have to, you know, do. And ultimately, you will be happy in your own life. Well, uh, as far as society in general, uh, I believe that, uh, as many do, that the basic building block of a society is the family. 
And unfortunately, uh, not a lot of people have the knowledge to maintain health in their marriage. And so the divorce rate hasn't changed much over the last 20, 30, 40 years. Half of, half of first marriages end up in divorce. Two-thirds of second marriages end up in divorce. And uh, James can attest to having been raised in a family where mom and dad have been at odds with each other. And uh, you know, I believe if, if, if the family is the basic building block of a, of a strong society, then the marriage is fundamental. The marriage is critical. A strong and healthy marriage that can stand the test of time where husband and wife are deeply committed to the success of the marriage in doing some of the things that I mentioned before, holding each other in high regard, being respectful, listening, tuning in, resp being responsive. Those are, the, those are the essential building blocks of a strong marriage. And the more we can create strong marriages, the more we create strong families, the more we have emotionally well-adjusted children growing up and being significant and, and productive members of society. I think that's really rewarding what you're doing. I mean, we probably, three of us, we just look at a small picture. But if you look at the big picture, James, uh, what that is doing is not only helping two significant people in their life to have a very healthy relationship and make their life happy, but he is trying, he's basically, uh, it's, it's the story of giving the fishing rod and teach them how to fish. Right. It's like he's helping the society and community he's living as a whole to experience a better foundation in their life and create children that are more happy and contribute to their own community and society right. Right. in a healthy manner for Can growth, you say more development. About that Can you say more about that metaphor, Sana, about the fishing? Um, Actually, it be, I, I have a twist on this. Mm. The, the old saying is you, you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day. Right. You teach a man to fish and you'll never see him in church ever again. Right. Cute. Yeah. So that I see you. No, I see you as a person. It, like I, I, it, it was a joke, but it's that you teach a man to fish and you feed him for life. Right. Okay. So that's how I see you. That you you are you're equipping your people in your society, uh, not only to help themselves but to help others, um, multiply happiness and joy. And ultimately, a greater benefit to the greater, you know, yeah. number of people. You're bringing yeah. that. And that's how I see it. And that's why I encourage people to check out what people say about me, either on my website. You can learn all about my philosophy, success stories. Uh, my, my website that people can easily visit has all my contact information. You can send me a message. You get my phone phone number. You get my physical address. And that website is yourcoachforlife.life. That's yourcoachforlife. That's F-O-R, not the number four. Forlife.life, L-I-F-E. 
yourcoachforlife.life. Too many lives. <laughs> well, I only have one myself. It's easy to remember. <laughs> it's, it should be yourcoachfor.life. It's his website, and he likes it that way. That's we the keep way it he wants that it. Way. <laughs> He's the proprietor. He gets to hit, call the shots. Life for life. Well, between between myself and uh, James' mother, uh, we brought five children un- into this world, and now there are six grandchildren, and uh, they they have the benefit not only of uh, myself and James' mother. Uh, but they have a bonus grandma in my lovely wife, Nancy. All right. Well, I, I think that this is a, a great time to uh, uh, sign off on this interview. But uh, this is not the end. We want Mr. Newcomb to be on the show again. Of course. With absolutely. more specific topics, maybe our listeners are interested. So uh, to those who are listening, why don't you just pick up your phone or computer, just go to our page and write your review about this podcast and our interview. And if you have any specific question from Mr. Newcomb as a life coach and relationship coach, drop it there and he will get back to you. And also I'm going to, re- I'm going to create a, a special link uh, it, for people who are more familiar with our, our business. It is jnshub.com forward slash John Life, J-O-N, J-N-S hub.com forward slash J-O-N-L-I-F-E. All right, Dad, it was a, it was a great to have you on the show. Well, I appreciate you guys accommodating me and listening to my ranting and raving about my passion in life, which is strong and healthy marriages. That was amazing. We've learned a lot and we can't wait to hear more from you. Okay, thank you. To get to know James and Sana on a deeper level and to learn how to support our little show, go to Vojdan.com. That's V-O-J-D-A-A-N.com.